listening to Red Hat Summit Radio 2014. Make sure you listen in all week for great shows throughout each day of Summit here at the Moscone. Hey guys, you're listening to another podcast from Red Hat Summit 2014 here at the Moscone in San Francisco. Sitting opposite me is a bastion of Red Hat technology, <laughs> Mr. James Kirkland, Chief Architect at Red Hat. Yes, yes, uh, uh, chief, chief Architect for uh, Intelligent Systems and the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things. Now, that's a huge label. Explain it. Um, so, uh, essentially, the Internet of Things I think of uh, is the cloud edge. Uh, the Internet of Things is all the stuff outside the data center. It, it, and it, it's, it's a similar thing. We're seeing um, the convergence of commoditized Internet connectivity, primarily through cellular, um, cheaper compute power pushing out into, into the field, so and the and the commoditization of software through open standards and open source and and essentially freeing a lot of the the intellectual property that was locked up in in proprietary solutions that you tended to see in the past. But do we see more and more vendors now understanding the need to adhere to open standards? I mean, I'll give you an example: mm-hmm. Samsung. Uh, Guy Martin, ex-Red Hat guy, now on the Open Standards team at Samsung. He and I worked together on stuff. He's done podcasts with me before. And he's really helped Samsung embrace technology change and and the Internet of Things, be it on a smartphone, be it on a television device with the ability to have Facebook or Netflix loaded on it. One, to reduce the time to market, to get the device out using open source technologies, GPL, BSD libraries, but also to put back... If you look at the Linux kernel, the 3.12 tree, there are, there's lines in there from Huawei, from Samsung, from HTC, et cetera, et cetera. People who traditionally didn't have a Linux bent. Well, and that's it exactly. I, I think you're seeing it from two sides. The, the one side is the supply side, which is a lot of companies are, are, are beginning to understand that um, your business is, is knowing your market and knowing what your customers want and providing that. Your business isn't in creating a web server or creating a, a messaging platform or a mm-hmm. business rules platform. It's knowing what those business rules need to be in order to make a coherent product. So I think that's one side of it. Um, they, they would rather spend their money and their expertise and their intelligence on that. The other side of it is demand side, which is the customers no longer want to have and you see this in transportation a lot where I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time, you see that they don't want to be locked into a vendor that has IP that was developed working on systems for them. Yeah, They want to have open standards that they can have multiple vendors that are able to, to provide solutions to them so that they're not locked in. So it's the same thing that we saw that really brought down proprietary Unix in the data center mm-hmm. is really happening out on the edge, and it's empowered by all the, this commodity hardware um, that allows you to, to take commercial Linux and commercial middleware and, and build, you know, build solutions that then are able to interface back to standardized in, you know, interfaces and infrastructure in the cloud. My wife uh, despairs because I try and work two years ahead of the curve. I started doing the podcasting because there was a guy called David Linthicum who had a podcast, mm-hmm. and I decided to, to do it better than him. Um, rather than do half an hour, do 10 minutes and, and, and talk to techies rather than CIOs. One of the things that I've been passionate about for maybe 10 or 12 years is something that's really not sexy but could be tied into the Internet of Things, and that's SCADA. 
Oh, yes, definitely. Um, you think about how many hydrochemical companies and hydroelectric companies and petrochemical companies and almost everything we switch or every time we flush the toilet, there is an embedded controller somewhere running a proprietary stack or running on Windows NT, which scares me even more. Yes, I mean, exactly. I know there are water companies in Europe paying millions and millions of pounds just to keep the lights on. They're not doing any dev. Not doing any dev test. It's purely just keeping it alive. And as much as cloud excites me and pays my salary, one of the things that I'm always thinking about two years ahead is what's going to be the next hot thing? And I really think that we haven't even started tickling those marketplaces yet. No, no. So the, taking taking those those individual devices that are out there, um, providing some gateway for them to, to connect to the Internet, yeah. or replacing them with something that's new. I mean, the, you see both strategies depending on where the value proposition is. And then having them speak to sort of a, we call it the middle tier, the control tier. That's, sure. that's For example, in smart grid, you have all these smart meters and, and, and legacy devices that are giving you line voltage and co- control capacitors. Um, all that stuff sort of amalgamates in a substation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that substation, what we're seeing is that's where the level where the intelligence um, for the Internet of Things really happens is in that middle tier. So, for example, in smart grid, if you tried to get all that data back to the cloud, it's expensive to do that, and the data time horizon expires before you can send a control event back. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're seeing is the tactical control and management of that data happens in the in the substation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's um, you know the data comes in, um, it's held in usually via messaging MQTT or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's brought in, it's put into something like say a data grid, JBoss data grid, or 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 maybe in the you know in some sort of database format, um, or it's just read in real time by a business rules application right out of messaging. But essentially, the business rule application, uh, BRMS or whatever, um, then then reads it sees a condition which may be an under voltage on a line and yeah, it yeah, triggers yeah. a capacitor um but the ability you know things like uh, the ability to see when you're over uh over your your demand is 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 over where it needs to be in the summer and you can go out and you can say okay I know I have 40 uh car charging stations let me go reach out and turn those off allows you to extend your ability to serve an area without having to add additional capacity. But some of this stuff is still sort of Isaac Asimov-type science fiction, isn't it? It is. So when people talk about the smart grid and the smart grid being out there, or it's at the same state as, and I think there's a lot of marketing FUD around smart grid and where it's at, it's at the same state as the, the, the smart traffic system, yeah. which is there's a lot of individual point solutions, but there's no system. Um, so where where we're going um, is to provide the the middle, the you know, a Linux platform that is out there uh, if they want it that integrates really well with our middleware. Um, if they select other operating systems, we still have our middleware platform to be able to help manage that flow. You have data that comes in. You need to turn it to, into information. You, mm-hmm. need to, you need to react with, that, with intelligence to that, and then you need to send it back to the cloud to, to gain knowledge from it and to optimize your system. But the one thing, the, the sort of... The ghost at the table we're not talking about it, is risk. No, there's huge amounts of risk. There's risk around security. Yep. Um, there's just general uh, system management risk and just the the composting that happens when you have these systems out here because it's the ITification of of the field uh, uh, in most of these industries. And, and let's paint a picture of where current 
industrial computing is a lot of it's still almost flowchart, isn't it? Yes. A lot of it is almost flowchart process control. It's oh, it 1980s is. technology. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no, when they want to change the business logic, they have to go and either replace the unit or replace the compact flash that's in the unit. Yeah. I mean, if it, they're that lucky. Yeah, yeah it, or they just don't change it and, and it, it stays the way that it is. So there's no way to optimize at a device level and there's no way to take information from a systemic level and optimize each of the sensors or devices or control points. So it, it, it's really connecting all that stuff in a way that is cost effective. I mean, you look at UPS or FedEx. Yeah, yeah. They did this. 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but they had billions of dollars in business value. So now that the costs have come down, um, it's getting vendors to come up with integrated platforms that, that integrate um, an ESB for, for transformation, yeah. um, a, a business rules for managing or for, for taking that data and, and um, reacting to it. But there's a big, the there's a bigger picture as well. I mean, I remember a news story two, two and a half years ago where I think they thought a U.S. power station or a U.S. nuclear power station had been hacked by Russia because some guy who'd actually who's outsourced had just put a modem in there so he could actually get in to do remote <laughs> stuff via PC anywhere or whatever. Right. But that that's the smaller picture. The bigger picture is we've always had isolation of services Correct. globally. Okay, so your nuclear power stations and your hydroelectric companies and your petrochemical companies are separated by physical isolation. Mm-hmm. Two reasons that's that's happened. One, because they haven't invested any money to keep the stuff up to date. Okay, they really haven't invested the money. This is scary technology that has a firewall behind it. And if we want to make any modifications or changes, you send an engineer there. Right. Okay. Right. So a lot of the money that's spent is data collection, data collation, data. Inter- you know, they're having to physically interrogate it. But no one can have global or or, or cross country picture of what's going on. You can't do a state of the nation. Not without talking to all the independent vendors. No, that's true. Yeah, and and that's appalling in 2014. Yeah, there's a lot of work in in specifically in energy in the states going on around standardization. There's a it's called SGIP. It's yeah, a, yeah, fully a, right, yeah, right. working. So I mean, there's work to try. Yeah, NIST is kind of sponsoring that, um, and I, you know I think that if and it's an industry led group, but you know NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology in the states, yep. um, I, I think if if they you know, if that path succeeds and it looks like they're making progress, then that'll handle some of it. But um, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't succeed, then I think we're going to be back to the point of government mandated standards, which is not necessarily. But it's it's international standards. I'm aware. A couple of years ago, when I first started tickling this, I mm-hmm. reached out to try and find any commercial company on the planet that was doing what I would call a SCADA type replacement right. using Red Hat. One three-man company in Toronto. <laughs> One three-man company. This is a bigger. I personally think this is a bigger revenue opportunity than clouds. Sometimes. Oh no, yeah, it it, it is because um, I mean, even just talking, I was talking with somebody about um, microcell and picocell antennas uh, for to augment LTE. I mean, that's tens of millions of devices. So I mean, just in that one alone, that that have to have intelligence. You think about um, in energy, in healthcare in transportation. I mean, this is a huge, you know, uh, potentially tens of billions of dollars of, uh, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of opportunity. And and what we have to do is craft a credible story as Red Hat to to how we, you know, what differentiates us being standards-based, being open source, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, the ability to, to take our, pro our products and, and use them to build, you know, build the, the core of your product and let you just build the, the, your domain knowledge expertise around it and integrate these systems in a way that's going to, um, I mean, the, the end goal for the customer is to, to optimize their system to get more out of less, to, to cut cost out. Um, you know, like you said, there's risk. There's a, there's a lot of risk around this. And just like there's risk around cloud, I mean, there's, a, there's uh, you know, uh, risks with, with anything. But I think the benefits outweigh it. I think the other risk is, is privacy yep. uh, and data, data loss. But we've got but, but we've got smart meters out there now. People yeah. have got smart meters in homes, and you've had security analysts for years saying as soon as we put a smart meter in, potentially, you know, you're going to have because that information is being beamed back to a central yeah. processing unit somewhere that's collating all that. You've got privacy risk. Com by comparison, it's it's a tiny risk. No, it's it's an embedded device. It's a PC one hundred four board or a Socris box or whatever they're yeah. doing. I've been saying for two two and a half years, both within Red Hat and also at conferences, that. This is both a revenue opportunity, but also what will happen is it just takes a few major companies to make that change because they're all looking yeah. over the shoulder and they'll all have to do it. Yeah, It's the, the deploying of open standards, the definition of all these new RFCs, and that's not easy because no, defining not. an RFC is almost like going to war sometimes. No, I, and I said I've sat on several standards bodies uh, in the aerospace and, and energy, and, and it, it's... Uh, I've had to separate people. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had to stop people from having fistfights. So it's it's definitely, I, I agree, but at the same time, I, I think that's one of the things that Red Hat's really good at and that I've tried to do in my interface with, with the community, with these different communities, is um, help them reach consensus and, and help drive these standards further because, you know, the standards body I, I've been involved with, with in the aerospace industry is the air-to-ground information exchange, mm -hmm. which is a a standard for moving data, and this, this kind of goes back to the Malaysian Airlines thing, yeah, yeah. moving data in a coherent, standards-based fashion from the aircraft over multiple um, possible transports, you know, in Marsat um, uh, and, all, and all the other SATCOM providers. Because traditionally this was just packet switch networking and plain yeah. text. Yeah, yeah, it was essentially the equivalent of SMS. Yeah, and, and including even drones. Yeah. All that stuff was sent plain text. It was like... You know, Lucky McDonald Douglas and those guys—they never really engage brain when they're designing no, it. No, so there's a there's a lot of stuff. There's actually uh, so that 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 standard is, is uh, we've got a draft and it's out there and it, it's going to standardize uh, hopefully the the way that information goes between the ground the ground and the aircraft mm -hmm. um, and it gives things like quality of service, so but that, also unique identifiers as right, well. Right, right, exactly. That's important. And it's it's really important for them because they've got also coming into the cockpit. Uh, you know the electronic flight bag, which used to be a device bolted to the airplane, is an iPad now. Yeah. So they've got you know they've got to be able to get, what you know weather maps to the to the iPad, but coming soon is uh, is you know um, Cesar, which is um, next gen air, air traffic control in the U.S. and with Eurocontrol, mm -hmm. so the FAA, and that's going to replace a, a lot of the voice dispatch with electronic dispatch. Yeah. Um, which is going to come over these chan these same channels. So uh, you know, again, you see, you see uh, the systemic optimization, fuel savings, all the great stuff that's going to happen. All being replaced by stuff you could probably buy in Radio Shack right, right now. Right. Yeah. Of course, it'll cost a hundred it, times more. Exactly. But, yeah. it'll, be the, it'll be the same components. It'll, yeah. just, it'll just come in a shiny box. Yeah. So it, I mean, it's, it's, there's really good stuff happening. Um, a lot of it's happening down in these industry panels, which which is, is good, but. I'd like to see 
something that bubbles up that is akin to OpenStack for managing and securing these environments so that there's a more, you know, maybe in, in something sort of like OpenSCAP and things like these. Yeah, o- OpenSCAP's great because you can have those mandatory access controls right. in there to do it. Right. But it still needs some more flexibility it to does. it. Okay, it does. Because it's too rigid. Yeah, it, and it's very data center oriented right It is. Now. Yeah. And I, I think if we can um, get to device manufacturers as well, yeah. at the point of R&D, before they've decided that they're going to burn this to mm-hmm. EEPROM or whatever, um, I don't think it's going to take a lot of adoption. What it's going to take is sponsorship and thought leadership and right. Red Hat's right at the focus of that. James, yes. thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is a passion that's really close to my heart, as you can tell. So, Well, thank you for having me, and it's, it's very close to my heart too, and, and I look forward to talking to you again at some point about it. That's great. James, thank you. Thank you.